Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts 15, and as you're making your way there, I have had a great weekend. All my children are in town, and uh, my grandson came, and I want to show you a little video. It's only five seconds, and I want you dis to discern the lesson from this video. All right. Okay, discernment now. What's the lesson? Somebody, what do you think? What's the lesson? He loves his Lonnie. Okay, Grandma says he loves her. All right, okay. Any, anybody else? Nana's rock, okay. Well, here's what you that lack discernment don't know. That was the, that was the second time we videoed that experience. The lesson is you need to turn the camera on quicker because the first time we did it, guess who he came to? Isn't that true, Lonnie? Yes, it is. <laughs> Acts chapter 15, let's pick up where we left off last week. Where last week we talked about relationships and conflict. Paul and Barnabas, the first apostolic team to take the gospel to the non-Jewish world. And they said, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. John Mark was his cousin. But Paul, what's it say, disagreed strongly. He just put his foot down because John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia. In other words, we don't know what happened, but it was a dangerous uh, uh, experience. It was a challenge to go, and for whatever reason, this young man bailed out on them. Uh, Barnabas, uh, uh, their disagreement became so sharp that Barnabas and Paul separated Barnabas took John Mark, and they sailed to Cyprus, and Paul took Silas, and he traveled through Syria and Cilicia. Now, how many know if godly Christian men, apostolic leaders, can have a conflict and split? How many know it can happen to anybody? But the good news today is the story doesn't stop there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we look ahead several years in time. Paul is in prison, and he says, Luke alone is with me. And then what's he say? He says, get Mark. This same John Mark scholars believe, get Mark and bring him with you because he's very useful for me in the ministry. So now we see in these two verses, I ask the question, what happened? How could people who were so conflicted they wouldn't even serve the Lord together, how could they get along again and do something together as one? Well, I want to suggest to you they hit what I call a spiritual reset button that somehow in their relationship there was forgiveness. And when forgiveness came, the offense was able to be uh, uh, minimized, the conflict was able to be set aside, and forgiveness let these two men come back together. Now, we have been talking uh, the last month about healthy relationships. And uh, my premise has been that if you and I will adopt, adopt what the Bible says about principles for family life, we'll have a better family. How I treat my friends, how I treat my enemies, I'll literally get along better with people if I will practice what the Bible teaches us. Well, last week we talked about five reasons why relationships fall apart. And I think Paul and Barnabas and Mark in there are a great illustration. Four of the five of the things we talked about, broken promises, broken trust, unresolved offenses, and unresolved conflict. These things happen in life and relationships can do this. But my message this morning is relationships can be restored. You can get a fresh start by hitting the reset button of forgiveness. 
Uh, we have tons of electronic devices. I, I have a DVR in my home. Uh, any, any DISH subscribers out there? Yeah. Let me see your hand. Your DISH people? Uh, direct TV people, let me see you. Okay, about every year you can swap and pick up $100, $200 there. They just want you back. <laughs> but my DVR, every once in a while, I've got all my favorite TV shows on it, you know, my favorite movies, and all of a sudden it'll just stop. It'll freeze up for no reason. It's like the electronics, you know, there's a, there's a war inside there, and nothing you can do can fix it. If you call the 800 number tech support, you could do that if you want to. But what I found, if I would just open the front and hit this red button, this reset button, what it does is it brings the system back to its starting place. It restores it to its factory settings. Well, how many know God wants to restore us to factory settings when in our relationships? Offenses come in, conflict comes in, and we tear ourselves apart. But this reset button of forgiveness will help, uh, will help bring us back together. And this is, this is what I want to talk about today. And I, I want to talk about this message in two parts. The first part has to do with why we need forgiveness from God. This is the basis because it's linked to me forgiving other people. And uh, you'll see that today. But what I'm going to do in the message, a little different presentation, I'm just going to ask a series of questions about forgiveness. And we'll see what the Bible has to say. But let's begin with part one about why we need God to forgive us. Big question. First question, why do we need God's forgiveness? Every person on the planet needs it, but only those that have responded to Christ realize, it, realize the depth of it and what it can do for us. Why we need God to forgive us is simple. Sin separates us from God, and sin causes judgment in this life, and more importantly, for eternity. Let me give you the whole Bible in three verses. Genesis 3.24, about Adam's sin affected all of us. Genesis 3.24, you remember God had a close relationship with Adam. He would come in the cool of the day. They would visit. They would talk. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. And their relationship was broken. And they're driven from the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 says God drove out the man or humanity. He, he, they were separated from this relationship with God. And at the east end of the Garden of Eden... God placed a cherubim or an angel that held a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life is depicted as a tree in heaven. It is, it, its context is eternity. And the message here is you are separated from God because of your sin for all eternity. Romans reinforces this fact. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned. To sin is to break God's commandments. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. It is a separation from God both now and in eternity. And the book of Revelation, if I could jump ahead in time with you. Right now it seems like all our media is caught up with is the 2020 elections and you know what the Democrats are doing in the House and blah, 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 blah. How many know in the context of eternity that means nothing? It's pretty important for our future now, but we don't look far enough ahead. And Revelation 20 takes us to the throne of God on Judgment Day. The Bible says, I, I, I saw the dead standing before God's throne and books were open. The Bible teaches us that God records every word out of our mouth, every thought we think. He records uh, the things that we do. And one day we'll give an account, we'll be judged for this. Well, I mean, that's, 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 that's going to be a bad day if that's true because I've done some bad things. How about you? Yeah, well, here's some good news is there, this book of life. 
These are those who believed in Christ. The dead were judged according to what they had done, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is a real place, friends. It's not an ancient metaphor to make people behave. Hell is a real place that the Bible describes that God doesn't want anyone to go to. But many will choose that path because they've rejected God's plan of salvation. You see, what this first question tells us about forgiveness is we need forgiveness from sin is because sin causes people to die and go to hell. And everybody is guilty of sin. Nobody wants eternal judgment. And the good news is God wants to provide relationship with us and forgiveness is the way that we experience. Forgiveness is the antidote for sin. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand for that. Now, what happens to our sin when God forgives us? The psalmist said God has removed our sins. As far as the east is from the west, forgiveness means God erases our sins. If you could imagine just a second your sins being what you've got in your pocket. I like kids, little, little kids, and I give them these little fruity snacks. I guess I bribe them. But if you can imagine, these sins represent the wrongs I've done in my life. And when I bring my sins to God, He takes them away. Maybe you raped someone. You tell God, it's gone. Maybe you cheated on the test to get in your career. You confess to God, and it's gone. Maybe you cheated to your mom, <laughs> you lied, whatever you may do. But you bring them to God, and God has this capacity to take them away from us. And he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Remember in math class, one of the signs of infinity, if you drew an arrow pointing that way and an arrow pointing that way in a line, it doesn't meet around the earth in a circle, but it goes on forever. And the good news is, is that God takes away our sins, which means He removes the guilt and He removes the consequences. And for some of us, the most important question that we would answer today is, how do we receive forgiveness from God? What do I do to get this wonderful gift where my sins are canceled out and erased? The Bible says three things. It says to believe in Jesus. It says to confess our sins. And it says to pray, perhaps two and three are connected there, the confession and prayer. Let me read you these scriptures. In Acts 10, it's to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness, say this with me, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Christ. And a belief in Christ is not just an intellectual assent that he existed, but it's a belief that changes your life. If someone, if one of the ushers would have tell us, uh, there's a fire in the building, we've got to evacuate. Well, we wouldn't sit here just listening to the sermon. We'd get out of the building because we believed. And believing in Christ causes action to come. Well, that's the first one. The Bible says about confession. That if we confess our sins, John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive, Forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the last thing he says is in our prayer time. We're to ask for his forgiveness. Very similar to the confess, but in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus himself said this, pray like this. And about the third or fourth request is, forgive us our sins. I do it every time I pray. You say, Pastor, do you still sin? Yeah. Not as much as I used to, but more than I want to. Most of my sins are up here. And how many of Jesus said, if you have anger in your heart 
unjustified anger, it's just like the sin of murder. But when I become aware of these things, or God makes me, and it's not just sins of commission that I've done wrong, but it's sins of omission. It's things I failed to do right. But I bring them to God, and I ask God that God would wash me. And clean. It's a part of the thing that I do every day, because here's what I know, is that the more I let sin grow in my life, the further I get away from God, the more distant God becomes. I've watched people over the years who used to be on the front row worshiping God, tears in their eyes, but sin crept back in their life, and now they don't even come to church anymore. Now the Bible is just a book on the shelf because sin wants to take over your life, and God has the power to forgive. But let me go back to that last scripture. I want you to put it on the screen again. Matthew 6, 9, pray like this, forgive us our sins. But then what does it say? Yeah. God, I want you to forgive me in the same way I forgive other people. Now, this is why I built the foundation of the need for our forgiveness from God. And what God is saying, I have freely forgiven you. I want you to forgive other people in the same way that I've forgiven you. Now, people that have hurt us, offended us, done us wrong, God wants us to treat them just like he treats us. I want to illustrate it with a quick video here, and I think it'll, it'll speak to you about what forgiveness means. Take a peek. She said I was mean. She made fun of how I look. He stole something from me. She lied about me. She said I was being a baby. He cut in front of me in line. He pushed me down. He said I was annoying. She talks about me behind my back. She left me out. He made fun of my family. She told on me. She invited everyone but me. He said I'm not his friend. She said she didn't like me anymore. He called me a loser. She hurt my feelings. He lied about me. She said I was dumb. She said I was mean. He called me a wimp. He didn't she change my She made fun of how I look. He told he me no one likes me. me. She lied he about me. He said she didn't want to be friends anymore. He said he hated me. But you know what? I forgave him. I forgave him. I forgave her. I forgave him. I forgave her. I forgave her. I forgave him. I forgave her. I forgave her. I forgave him. I forgave her. I forgave him. I forgave her. I forgave him. I forgave him. I forgave her. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. pretty powerful. Now, how many of you can say, well, that's just little kids. You're just a bunch of little kids. You may have gray hair, but you're still a little kid. 
And isn't that the exact same way that God wants us to treat people? Because that's the way God has treated us. What does it mean to forgive someone? Forgiveness, Lanelle, honey, come up. I want, I want to illustrate something. F forgiveness, and as I studied this message, I realized how little I know about forgiveness. And I want to give you some definitions here, and, and these, are, these are from lexicons and, and, and Bible dictionaries. And I want you to stand right here, because this is when you, when you uh, uh, took time from my grandson. <laughs> and, and when you, you know. When he chose me over you. No, that was the second video, but you tried to make the people believe that that was the way that it was, but it was not the way that it was. But I don't know about you, but we've got a little problem right here. And, 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 and we may want to have a relationship, but something is just not right. There's something between us. Forgiveness, this is my favorite definition. Forgiveness means you put the offense behind you. See, it doesn't take it out of your memory. But when it's right here, you know, it's pretty hard to relate. I'm mad. It's there. It's banging on me. But it allows me to move it behind me, to literally pick it up so I can have relationship with my favorite person. How many know that? No longer see the wrong. Put the wrong behind us. Forgive by definition means to wipe away the guilt. And this is the important thing because when you hurt me, I, I'm, I become the judge. I judge you guilty. I punish you. I seek revenge. I want vengeance. I want to get even. I'll do whatever. I have to do whatever I want to do because this compulsion drives me because of my hurt of what you did. And you are guilty. But forgive, God wants me to get out of the role of the judge. And no matter what they've done. Listen, how many know forgiveness has a benefit of not just restoring a relationship, but you feel better about yourself and about life when you've forgiven people? Otherwise, bitterness and anger can define your life. To forgive means wipe away the guilt. Now listen to this definition. It means to pardon. It's a legal term, to pardon a guilty person. And listen to what the definition of pardon is uh, and the spiritual parallels. In the legal dictionary, to pardon is to use the executive power of a governor or president, imagine God now, to forgive a person convicted of a crime, removing any remaining penalties or punishments. When President Obama commuted the sentence of people, when he pardoned them, President Clinton, President Trump, whoever they may be, they may have had 10 years to go on the sentence, but a pardon is to negate the coming punishment. And a pardon prevents any new prosecution. In other words, I can't continue to beat you up, attack you, and hurt you if I have forgiven you. A pardon strikes conviction from the books. It tears out the page as if it never occurred. And the convicted person is treated as innocent. Now listen, this is powerful. Forgiveness does not mean that uh, uh, in, in a relationship, let's, let's say you embezzle from me and we're business partners and you took $100,000 over the last few years and I suffered, my family suffered, we all suffered. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I have to continue to be your partner. I can make a different choice in life, but I'm going to turn the judgment over to God. I'm going to turn the punishment, I'm going to turn the inner anger and turmoil, I'm going to turn it over to God. See, forgiveness does not mean a wrong was not done, and forgiveness does not always mean it's erased from our memory. 
There was a video that we showed a number of months ago. It was about a woman whose son was murdered. And she was a Christian woman. And the story unfolds about her feeling led by the Lord to go to the jail and to tell this young man who killed her son, I forgive you. And she told him and she saw the son, she saw the man and the man was remorseful and she just felt to go back again. And before you knew it, she cared about this kid. Now listen, she missed her son. She loved her son that was killed, knew this man did it. But because of forgiveness, she was a part of his, of his getting out early in parole. And, and the news stories, one of the news channels shows her apartment right next to his apartment. She helped him get an apartment next door. You say, how could somebody do that? Because of the mercy of God. Because we have been forgiven and we forgive other people. See, she never forgot her son's death. Her pictures were all over the wall. But she chose to put the offense behind her and be free. Now listen to this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this today. What did Jesus say about forgiving people? Right after the Lord's Prayer, the next two verses, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, God will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, he will not forgive your sins. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? I'm not sure, but I don't want to experience it. I mean, no, we want, we want mercy for us and justice for you. That's not what Jesus said. When God forgives us, it is unearned, undeserved, and freely available. When God forgives, the issue is over, and he doesn't bring it up again and again. God expects us to do the same people who treat us bad. And this most gripping thing Jesus said is, I have no right to seek forgiveness for my sins if I refuse to forgive other people of theirs. I cannot go to God expecting mercy when I give judgment. So the question is this, do I want God to forgive me when I do wrong? And if I do, I have to make a choice to put the offense behind my back. Now, you say, oh, sounds good, preacher. How do you do it? I'm glad you asked. This will be on the screen, but all these notes are always on the Internet. All, you can even download it before church. A lot of people do on their iPads or iPhone. How do we put the wrong behind our back? How do we lift up this wrong and move it from between us? Let me give you some things. How, this is how I'm able to do this. Number one, it starts in prayer. I forgive people in the presence of the Lord, particularly if the pain is deep. And what do you mean by that? Well, here's the first thing I do. I tell God and how it made me feel. If I'm hurting, I may cry. If I'm mad, I may be angry. And I've even got close to saying a bad word a time or two. Anybody else? I'm just amazed at the six honest people surrounded by the holiness of our friends today. No, literally. Be real. Tell God I was hurt. Tell God I was mad. Tell God I've been lied to for five years and they stole money and I wasn't able to take the kids on the vacation they wanted to go to and now one of them's graduated and I'm mad as... Tell God how you feel. And this is something I learned recently. The second thing is, thank God that he's forgiven me. Take just a minute and remember this stuff that you went to God about. How in the world could God ever forgive me for? You take your pick. Raping someone. Taking somebody to an abortion clinic. You 
We're just going down the line. We've all got these big things in our life. Everybody does. We're all sinners. Before I want to try to forgive you, I want to thank God that he's forgiven me. And here's the third thing, and you've got to understand this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I, I, I'm not for, I've not forgiven you when I'm happy with you. Forgiveness is a choice to turn this need for punishment over to God. It is a choice to pick up that offense and put it behind you. And then I say this out loud. I say it to God. I say it to myself. Let's say the friend that hurt me is named Tom. And, in my, and I don't do this when you're around people. They'll, they'll, they'll call the police, okay? They'll think you're crazy. But do this in a private place and say it out loud. Tom, I forgive you. Let God hear it. Let yourself hear it. Tom, I forgive you. You hurt me. You took something from me that can never be returned. But I choose today because God has forgiven me, I choose to forgive you. And then I tell you the last thing that's very powerful, the deeper the pain is, I ask the Lord to take away the pain and the hurt. I ask God to take it away because sometimes it's overwhelming. Now let me give you those one more time. Talk to God and tell him how you feel. Remember how God has forgiven you or me. Make a choice to forgive. And out loud say it, I forgive you. And then ask the Lord to take away that pain. Now let me ask you another question. Is forgiveness a one-time event or a process? I think so too. Now, some things are not a big deal. Let's say you get uh, right after church, you know, uh, you're trying to get out of the church parking lot here and you're on the little loop-de-loop and somebody else wants to get on the interstate and you accidentally cut them off and they hit the horn and they wave at you with their middle finger, you know. And, 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 and now, that's, that's a big deal. Please don't mash the gas and go after them, okay? But, but, but by the time you've turned and made the loop around and you're thinking about Cracker Barrel biscuits, uh, you know, come on now, they're just not much better than Cracker Barrel cornbread, I mean. And you're making the loop around there, you can say, God, they must be having a bad day. God bless them, I forgive them, I just pray that you just help them with their road rage. And usually it's over. But if you get divorced, if your spouse has an affair, somebody steals or takes money from you, doesn't pay it back, now these things run deeper. Uh, somebody slanders you in public and you lose your job. What do you do with that? I want to suggest in this process, you stay with it. And I want to suggest to you that the offense, when you're, when you're in unforgiveness and offended, you've got a clenched fist around whatever the hurt was. I was molested when I was six. But when you forgive, you open your hand. Invariably in life, something happens that makes the offense come back in your memory. You have one of two choices. You can hold on tightly and bring it back into your heart. Or with an open hand, you can say, no, I give that back to God. I'm telling you, friends, this will help you. You go to God in prayer. You tell him how you feel. You thank him for forgiving you. And then this time, rather than saying, Tom, I forgive you, say this out loud. I'm not taking it back. I'm not taking it back. I'm not going back to my dungeon because forgiveness is not just about restoring me to my wife. Forgiveness is about me getting free on the inside. And there's something powerful about your new stance. You're not trying to forgive. You have forgiven. You're just keeping yourself in forgiveness. And then I still ask God to help me with the pain. It is a process. Now, uh, what do we do with the memories and pain? 
Let's go a little deeper. You say, okay, preacher, I'm going to try what you said. I've been doing it a couple weeks. It still hurts on the inside. I can't get it out of my head. What do I do? I'm going to tell you, but, but, but you're not going to want to know. I'm just going to read you a Bible verse, and you're going to, if, you, if you don't want to hear, you should probably just get up and go to the bathroom right now. If you were thinking about going, now would be a good time, because you're not going to want to hear this. Here's what Jesus said. If Jesus said, what we, about the memories? Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Jesus is speaking, I say to you who are listening. Now, is it fair to say that if you're so mad at your spouse that you separated or divorced, she is no longer your darling? She's more like an enemy, is that fair to say? Your partner, the guy on the baseball team, whoever that took your position, that lied about you at work, that got your job, that turned you in, whatever the case is, they're more like an enemy. And then Jesus said something that I don't like. What does it say? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are cruel to you. Oh, I'm going to pray for them, all right. I pray, God, you give them what they deserve. <laughs> hit me, shame on me, or hit shame on you, but hit me the second time, shame on me. So you just, God, just get this, just, just, no, that's not what it's saying. What am I saying? I cannot hate you if I pray for you and I bless you. I cannot do it. I had a preacher one time I was mad at. None of your business when it was or where I was or who it was. I was mad at him. And to complicate matters, to get where I wanted to go uh, most of the time, I'm being evasive here, to get where I wanted to go most of the time, I'd have to go near his church. And I would go fast. And one day the Holy Spirit started reminding me of this. Pray for them and bless them. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Bless you, brother. But one day it starts coming out with compassion. I bless you. I pray for you. I pray that God would smile on you. And whatever your hand touches, I pray it would prosper. I'm stopped at a red light, so I got time. I can stew. I can express my hostility. I can try to repress it, or I can do what the Bible says. There's something powerful about you doing good to people that are offended at you or you've been offended at. I went in a restaurant, been several years ago, but, but uh, uh, guess who I saw there? It was not my friend. It was somebody that had ticked me off. And when I walked in that door, my first response was, how'd you do it in the Navy? Let's see. See, in the Navy... But I didn't. Here's what their first response was. They're already at the table. I'll tell you what I did. I went over to them and sat down. And I said, how are you doing? I said hello to all the people at their table. I asked if I could have one of the chips. I said, what are you, what, what are you saying? Are you crazy? No. You do good. You're kind. You know, you may never be best friends again, but you can get the offense out of you. Yes. You know, you, you, you know if, if every time you see somebody's post on Facebook, just because you unfriend them doesn't mean you're not offended anymore. 
I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. Do good. Let me, one last question here, and then we'll close. What happens if we refuse to forgive? Now, this is, this is weighty. Jesus told a story in Matthew 18, 23. It's a parable uh, with a natural illustration to convey a spiritual truth. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven can be compared to something. Now, when the Bible says that, it means this is how God behaves. This is how God works. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up, up to date with his servants who'd borrowed money. Who is the king? It's the Lord Jesus. Who are the servants? We are. What does it mean to settle accounts? It's to judge our life for what we've done wrong. Now look at verse 24. It's called debts. Verse 24, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. This is the person that's an extra big sinner. He couldn't pay for his sins, so his master ordered him to be sold to pay the debt. But the man begged him. This is our confession. This is our praying asking for forgiveness. Be patient with me. I'll pay it all. But the master was filled with what? Pity. Pity. This, is way, this is God's heart. And he released him and forgave his debt. Millions of dollars. This is how God does when you come to the cross and ask forgiveness. But notice what happened, verse 28. The man left the king and he went to a fellow servant. This is that sinned against him, owed him a few thousand dollars. He wanted instant payment. His servant begged, just like he did, be patient with me and I'll pay. But this creditor had the man put in prison. Vindictive, punishment, judging, hurting you because you hurt me. Get even, just grind it in. I may have to pay child support, but bless God, you're going to have to go to Kalamazoo to get it. I mean, it's just going to be hard and difficult. Grind it in. And the king called him an evil servant. This is how God would speak to us. You're an evil servant if you, I forgave you your tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on that person just as I had mercy on you? And I wish verses 34 and 5 were not here, but they are. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured. Is it possible that a loving God would allow us to experience the consequences of our unforgiveness? I'm sad, but it is. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, our natural desire is for mercy for me and judgment for you. But if I act on this impulse of judgment, God's grace will be lifted from my life, and I will reap the judgment that I sowed. One last question. How do I know if I've forgiven someone? And this is where I think, listen, if you, every Christian knows you're supposed to forgive. Come on, and the choir said. Amen. And if you ask people, listen, I've asked people, have you forgiven them? Oh, yeah. But I hate that sorry. How do I know if I've forgiven? Well, the memory can still be in your head, but the knot in your stomach, the anger, the emotional outbursts, the obsessing about getting even, the punitive behavior, it's either gone or going. Forgiveness is a process and it may slowly go away, but my friends, if you forgive, it will go away. Come on now, because the offense is not here. I put it behind me by the grace of God.
Now I'm going to close with an email uh, I received from a church member. Last week we talked about, I read you a story that a, a, a lady wrote about her daddy abandoning her, and it touched a chord in one of our church members, and she wrote me a letter about how she'd forgiven her dad, and uh, she asked that I would share this if it could help others. Her name's Samantha. Samantha says, I want to share my story about my relationship with my father and the power of forgiveness. My mom told me I was two years old when my father came to visit us the last time, and she never heard from him again. She tried to find him, but he didn't want to be found. Because I was so young, I had no memories of him, but his absence left a huge void in my life, and I desperately tried to fill it. I became promiscuous, I craved male relationships, and I found my worth in what I could physically provide him. Listen, men, your, your, your little girls, this is why you need to cherish them, to be their, their best date for their whole life. I mean, you need to give this little girl what she doesn't go looking for in a man. And I don't mean anything physical. I'm talking about the emotional love and support that she needs. In 2005, she said, I was 21, and I found my dad on the Internet. I decided to meet him and tried to have a relationship with him. His idea of relationship was giving me money, but I wanted his time. Our relationship was not perfect reconciliation that I dreamed about because when it came time for me to get married, now listen to this, he once again broke his promise and didn't show up to walk me down the aisle like he said he would. I cannot imagine a girl on her special day waiting for her daddy and him not showing up. After that, I didn't speak to him for six years, but I got a phone call that he had a massive stroke. His health continued to decline. Now listen, I knew God was telling me I had to forgive him. I wanted to be obedient. I knew that forgiving him wouldn't change the past, but I needed to be set free from the anger and bitterness I'd held on to for 30 years. In 2016, he suffered a second massive stroke, so I made the trip to California, and for three days I held my father's hand while the machines kept him alive. Sorry, I lost my place. I made the trip to California and held my dad's hand while the machines kept him alive. I don't know if he could hear me or not, but I told him I forgave him and that I loved him. I spoke those words out loud, and in that moment, I was released from the bondage I had allowed myself to be in because of unforgiveness. At that moment, when I said out loud, I forgive you, I was released from the prison I put myself in. When we unplugged the machines and he took his last breath on earth, I had peace in my soul. That peace only came after I was obedient to the Lord. I hope this story can help someone who needs to forgive, who needs to be set free from bitterness and anger. He did her wrong multiple times. He never asked for her to forgive him. But she was hurting and justifiably so. But she made a choice to put the offense behind her. To release his guilt brought healing to her wounded heart. Forgiveness worked for Samantha, and forgiveness will work for us when we hit the reset button. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today, and I, I want us to have a prayer, and I want you to just close your eyes just a moment. I had some, someone tell me 
this morning that they searched their heart the whole service and they couldn't think of anyone late 40s said I couldn't think of anyone I hadn't forgiven I said praise God someone else sitting a couple rows over tears streaming down their face see we're all at different places the church is a place where we get healed I want you to just bow your head just a moment and, and, and if there's someone that has been occupying your mind in this message that you need to forgive I want us to practice this right now I want you to just symbolize it this way I want you to just make a fist over, what, over that offense that's hurt you and let's I want you to just a second talk to God about what happened and about what you felt see their picture in your mind's eye and allow yourself for a moment to think of the pain and how it made you feel but now I want you to take your eyes off of them and I want you to think about your own sin still keep your hand closed but I want you to imagine your sins those things that you're too ashamed to tell anyone about those things that you did that you wish you could undo the people that you hurt and you can never repair what you did now I want you to think of the fact that when you took that to Jesus Christ he forgave you and he no longer holds that against you now I want you to make a choice right now I want you to make a choice to turn this offense over to God I want you to make a choice to forgive them and I want you to do this right now I want you to just kind of under your breath but I want you to say Lord I forgive Tom whoever their name is say I forgive them and just open up your hands right now I forgive them I turn this over to you come on just let your hands go behind your back right now symbolizing I, I'm putting that offense behind me I'm putting what they did to me behind me whether they apologize or not is not the issue it has eaten me up for long enough and I put it behind me right now and I want you to just slip your hands to heaven with me and say Holy Spirit would you just help me to be healed of the pain would you help me find the freedom that Samantha found would you help me Lord as I give this to you the one who has forgiven me I choose to forgive today and I want to ask the Holy Spirit right now just to help me to heal me to free me and make me a brand new person come on somebody say praise the Lord make me a brand new person God just as I have been forgiven I forgive today praise the Lord listen we're gonna close this way today as always we have a closing song and we make an opportunity for personal prayer our prayer team will be around the front and if you want prayer for anything they'll be here for you maybe it was something in this message that you just want someone to pray with you about maybe it's going to work tomorrow and you got to decide whatever whether you're gonna quit the job or not we'll pray about anything but the most important prayer that I'd like to pray is for any individual that's here today that when I was talking about God's forgiveness I was talking about our sin talking about judgment day in hell you're not a hundred percent sure if you died today you'd go to heaven because you've never come to the place where you asked for God's forgiveness and listen turned and walked away from your sin see asking God's forgiveness is not just words 
I was born a sinner. I could have been, if the cross is the Lord, I could have been pretty close to God. I went to church as a kid. My wife lived under the cross as a kid, but she still needed to be saved. She was a preacher's daughter. But the older I got, the farther I walked away from the cross. Still believed, go to church, mom made me go. Get in trouble, pray. But I was going my own way. But something happened to me when I was 19. I began to feel my need for God. I began to become aware of my sins. And I wanted a relationship with God. And I made a decision on August 15, 1976, where I turned to the Christ of the cross. And I said, Lord, if you'll forgive me for my sins, I'll follow you the rest of my days. And that's been over 40 years. I want to tell you, friend, if you're willing to make that turn to Christ, Jesus will forgive you and give you the life that you've always dreamed about. You can have real relationship with God if you surrender your life to Christ. So whether for some that are here today, it's the first time you put your trust in Christ, or for others that have gotten away from the Lord, and you want to come back and make that commitment to Christ. When we begin to sing, I want to encourage you to take a very bold step to slip out of your chair and come to the cross. You say, why do I have to move to the cross, Pastor? Not because we want anything from you. This is not joining the church. It's just you need to make a turn towards God. And the best way I know is to let somebody pray for you and invite Christ to come into your life. I promise you it will be the best decision you've ever made. We're going to go ahead and begin to sing right now. Zach, our prayer team is coming to the front. They're here to pray with you about anything you need prayer for. And most importantly, if you need to commit your life to Christ, we'll see you at the cross. I love you. Hang on before you go finish this song.